and look at them carefully over time through our experience. Uh, they take us to a point of uh, actually wanting to go beyond them altogether, those material aspirations, and uh, we come to the stage of renunciation. So this is also one of Krishna's um, potencies, one of his displays of opulence, Aishwarya. And there was an interesting uh, discussion recently, this past Sunday, and the question came up uh, regarding uh, the nature of karma. And in the material world, Everyone is uh, under the influence of the Lord's uh, external potency. And one of the major laws of material nature is this law of karma. And it was put forth the idea that uh, karma is constantly a teacher. And uh, Swami Tripurari made it clear that in order for there to be a teacher, there has to be a student. <laughs> uh, I'm paraphrasing and putting it in my own language, but basically, if we want to take instruction from the guru karma, um, we have to be um, aware and willing to submit to uh, the understanding of karma as an aid to our spiritual development. Otherwise, within this material world, everyone is suffering the reaction of their piety or their impiety. Uh, they're suffering or enjoying uh, perpetually within the material world. And um, if we're to take a lesson from karma, uh, we must do that submissively. We must will be willing to see karma in the perspective of uh, not a punishment or a punisher or a reward or rewarder, but rather a teacher. And if we could develop that kind of a mentality uh, based upon a spiritual pursuit, uh, then karma, like any of our gurus, um, can be very instructive. And we can take lesson from that, and we can learn that uh, pursuits within the material world uh, ultimately um, lead to a consequence, and unfortunately, the consequence in the material world is temporary, and we're eternal. Uh, our nature is eternal. We're an eternal uh, entity, and therefore, no matter the result of karma being good or bad, uh, its temporary nature will never fully satisfy us. So, again, to the philosophical groundwork uh, for entering into this deep understanding um, of Raj Bhakti, as highlighted by the Dhammadhar Leela, which is the really the entrance point, uh, the point of initial entrance into uh, the personal relationships that Krishna. Uh, displayed uh, in his Prakat manifestation, his earthly Bhumi uh, Leela, Boma, uh, and I want to go back and just so that we fully understand this Ashwarya aspect of the Supreme Lord. Because um, if we can enter into the mystery of, of this second Pariva Sutra, as pointed out by Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, then we can 
begin to apprehend the unique characteristics of um, unalloyed devotion. Uh, everyone is approaching the Lord. Of course, in the material world, we're approaching his external energy, as we just mentioned, for uh, attainment of, of uh, uh, a binding up, uh, a wrapping up uh, uh, of the Lord. Uh, but we want his energy without him. Now we come to different spiritual paths and different spiritual paths for the most part are also to a great degree self-motivated. And those spiritual paths uh, begin, of course, with looking to um, the four attainments, um, the uh, Purusharthas uh, within material existence, with the which the various uh, schools of thought have pointed out as Artha, Dharma, Kama, and Moksha, and everyone is aspiring to those. Now, when we aspire to those under the direction of Shastra, uh, then uh, there's the possibility of um, attainment of those in a, in a very legitimate fashion and in a, in a manner that the laws of karma uh, will be somewhat uh, abated. So if we want material opulence to the max, we can perform dharmic activity under the direction of the Veda, and we can attain uh, many wondrous things on this plane, on their earthly plane that we're currently aware of and existing in. So we can uh, certainly uh, receive a nice wife, get a good job, make lots of money, um, have nice offspring, etc. cetera. Uh, so uh, that's a beginning relationship with the Supreme Lord as a person. Uh, it's a personality that, you know, the give and take is there. Of course, for the most part, those parts of the scripture are dealing rather with his emissaries and not him himself. Rather, there's directions there for worship of the demigods. And um, for the most part, people are content with that on the material plane. Uh, then they there's beyond that. So the there's elevation to the heavenly planets, and I mean everyone here in this audience is is well aware of all these uh, all the minutia of the various spiritual uh, paths and the various spiritual aspirations. But as I said, for the most part. Those spiritual aspirations are, are also self-serving. They're not selfless. So we may want to go to the heavenly planets. We may want to attain mystic opulences. We may even want to go to Vaikuntha and live with the Lord or on his planet or have his form or share in his opulences. Uh, uh, as uh, Swami Tripurari has uh, coined the phrase, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's spirituality, uh, what does he say, uh, uh, with perks. So we might want the perks. We may want the perks even to the exclusion of the one that's offering them. <laughs> um, so... Uh, that's unfortunate. Vraj Bhakti is different. So therefore, when we come into and we enter into this Damodar Leela uh, at the beginning of the 10th canto, uh, we're, the, the curtain is pulled back, as I said before, and we're given a glimpse of of a different kind of spirituality. Uh, 
So at the very beginning, Vishwanath has pointed this out. So this, of course, becomes in the context of Krishna's showing extreme Aishvarya to Mother Yasoda uh, in the context of his becoming a dirt eater. So uh, when Yasoda understood the truth, the Supreme Master, by the influence of the internal potency, spread mercy by having her develop the deepest affection for her son, immediately forgetting that Krishna had shown the universal form within his mouth, Mother Yasoda took her son on her lap, feeling full of affection in her heart as previously. So Sukadev Goswami is pointing out here that as long as that Aishvarya was fueling uh, the bhava between Mother Yasoda and Krishna as a child, um, Aishvarya was able to, to show this, um, this splendor of the Lord uh, having everything within his, his very self uh, to Mother Yasoda. But the second she became a little bewildered by it, a, a little, a little, uh, um, a little bit uneasy with what she was seeing, as soon as as those feelings came, that vision was immediately withdrawn because it would have interfered with the with the loving exchange between herself and her son. And as we will see as we go on, everything in Vraj Bhakti is about that loving relationship and nurturing that loving relationship. All of the Lord's opulences are certainly displayed in this topmost, most intimate um, dom uh, uh, for his pleasure pastimes. But everything there, as far as opulences and other shaktis of the Supreme Lord, which are there in full, are only displayed in the context of nurturing those loving exchanges. So therefore, we go on to the next verse which reads as follows, the glories of the Supreme Personality of Godhead are studied through the three Vedas, the Upanishad, the literature of Sankhya Yoga, and other Vaishnav literature. Yet Mother Yasoda considered that Supreme Person her ordinary child. So now this is, we can see that all the, all the spirituality that we engage in as sadikas is ruled by scripture, guru, sadhu, and shastra. And throughout our practice as sadikas, there's not a time that we, in our position as a sadika, are not fully consumed by Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna Stu Bhagavan Swayam. This Pariva Sutra rules over the entirety of the Srimad Bhagavatam like an emperor. And everything that we, all the knowledge that we acquire there through the Bhagavat Purana, which is the primary pramana or evidence as to spiritual existence for us as Gaudias, all that is contained within that beautiful Purana is ruled by this verse. But now we come into the 10th canto, and we're, as I said, the curtain is pulled aside, and we're given a glimpse of spiritual life beyond what is presented with the overriding conception of Bhagavan Sri Krishna being the Supreme Personality 
of Godhead. We're able to glimpse a relationships with the Supreme Lord by his most intimate associates where that godhood and all the Ashwarya and other Shaktis that dis, that display and highlight him being Bhagavan, his wealth, his strength, his fame, his beauty, his knowledge, his renunciation, all these, although still serving him in that holy dom, they are serving the loving exchanges, and he and his godhood take a, a back seat to the love that he has for his eternal associates in that particular dom, Fraj Bhakti. This is our ideal. as Raganuga Bhaktis. So, Vishwanath says in relationship to this verse, one should take this verse as a Pariva Sutra of Krishna Leela. As a lamp sits in one place in a dark room and lights up the whole room, so that statement in the scriptures, which can reveal the meaning of all scriptures or regulate the meaning of the scriptures, is called a Pariva Sutra. This verse stands as a regulator of all the pastimes related to Aishwarya, displays and power and opulence shown during Krishna's Kumara and Gashura, childhood and youthful ages in Mathura, Kurukshetra, and elsewhere. So in relationship to this verse, uh, Jiva's also also looked at not this particular verse, but this particular Leela. And he said that the full understanding of Ashvarya as displayed in Vraj Bhakti has to be seen as reaching its zenith, its topmost manifestation when that Ashvarya, that inconceivable potency of the Lord, nurtures the loving exchange between the Lord and his devotee, and his devotee and the Lord. That is the topmost display of Ashvarya. Normally, we would say the topmost display of, of uh, the powers of the Lord would be his material creation, his unlimited Vaikuntha planets, his uncountable manifestations in different uh, avataric descents, so much so that they come into each species of life. How, how he interacts and how he displays all his opulences in Vaikuntha, this is his Aishwarya. But Jiva's saying, no, the Aishwarya, if you really want to know what it's the height, the epitome of Aishwarya, its topmost manifestation, it is when that Aishwarya is used to nurture the love between Krishna and his devotees is displayed in these pastimes, which you are about to enter into in the 10th canto. And then Vishwanath, he also gives us this idea of the Lord's quality of Bhakti Vatsal is greater than any of his other spiritual qualities. So of all the qualities and displays of the Lord's various potencies, his Bhakti Vatsal is the great, greatest. So again, highlighting the nature of Prem Bhakti. So Bhakti Vatsalya. And just to re reiterate what Srila Prabhupada said in regards to this same verse that Vishwanath called the Pariva Sutra, he writes in his commentary there, the absolute real truth is realized in three features, 
Brahmeti Paramatmeti Bhagavaniti Sabjate, but she is in such ecstasy that she does not care to understand what is Brahman, what is Paramatma, or what is Bhagavan. One may be a karmi, a jnani, a yogi, and then a bhakti or prem bhakta, but the ultimate stage of realization is prem bhakti, as actually demonstrated by Mother Yasoda. So, before we go into the details, uh, I wanted us to re be reminded of the nature of uh, unalloyed devotion and specifically the proper understanding of, of service to Krishna without personal motivation and service to Krishna that is for his pleasure. So we have our quintessential definition of bhakti from Rupa Goswami, Anyabilasita Sunyam, Janakarmajanavrita Manu Kuyena Krishna Nu Silanam Bhakti Rutama. The highest bhakti is defined as continuous service or emotions directed towards Krishna. His expansions, his expansion forms or others related to him with a pleasing attitude towards Krishna. It should be devoid of desires other than the desire to please the Lord and unobstructed by impersonal yawn, the materialistic rituals of karma or other unfavorable acts. Highlight this understanding of Anukuyena. Jiva Goswami says in his commentary, uh, the word Anukuyena with favorableness or friendliness is the descriptive element of Anusilanam or service. It is necessary in order to limit the definition of bhakti. The definition of bhakti cannot be established with a disagreeable attitude towards Krishna, pratikuya. Vishwanath writes in this regard in his commentary to the same verse, again, an illustration of the definition being too limited. If anukulya means pleasing to Krishna is given. When Yasoda left Krishna and went to take the milk off the fire, Krishna was not pleased. Thus, Yasoda would be excluded from the definition of bhakti. In order to prevent the definition from being too extensive, Extensive, the first case, and two limiting, the second case, the definition of anukuya should be explained as devoid of hostility on the part of the performer. This will exclude the demons because they have hosti hostility in the form of hatred for Krishna. Thus, the definition will also not exclude Yasoda because she is devoid of hostility to Krishna. Um, so we're entering into now an understanding of the Pryojan. So I wanted to give you the very beginning of the Preeti Sandarbha by Jiva Goswami. Now the Preeti Sandarbha um, has six treaties and those are presented um, Four on Sambandhagyan, one on the practice, Abhideya, and the last is the Preeti Sandarbha, which is on the Prayojan or the goal. And there in the very first Anucheda section, Jiva Goswami writes the following The purpose of human life is the attainment of happiness and the elimination of pain. However, only with love of Bhagavan for Bhagavan, I'm sorry, is the attainment of happiness and freedom from suffering absolute. Uh, I'm going to skip through this and we will now enter into the Leela itself and some commentaries on the Leela as presented uh, 
in Bhagavatam, in the Bhagavatam commentary. So we're going to, we are going to present the Leela narrative as given in the Gopal Champu uh, by uh, Snigdakanta, uh, as written by Srila Jiva Goswami. So we're going to we're going to read the narrative as presented there in Gopal Champu because it's very sweet. And we are going to take commentary on the Leland narrative from the Bhagavatam commentaries of the various Acharyas. So we're taking the narrative from Jiva Goswami, then we're taking commentary on the Bhagavatam narrative from the various Acharyas. So the commentary begins. Uh, Snigdakanta began. So we, we're somewhat familiar with the fact that Snigdakanta and Madhukanta are traveling bards, and they are now in Vraj, and they are daily reciting Krishna's Krishna Leela, his Prakat manifestation to the residents there, um, uh, switching off uh, one to the other um, in successive days. So now Stignakant is speaking, and he says the following. Sri Yasoda, the wife of Sri Nanda, personally began to churn yogurt. At that time, songs about Sri Krishna's childhood pastimes came to her mind, and she began to sing them. Sri Krishna, the ocean of eternal charm, woke up and climbed down from the bed, crying. As he stretched his body, he took long breaths and rubbed his sleepy eyes. Now fully awake, he cried, Ma, Ma, hearing the sound of the churning rod, Sri Gopala tottered over to his mother. Vishnu, um, Srila Prabhupada, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, writes in his commentary regarding these verses in the Bhagavatam, Sri Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, quoting from the Vaishnav Tosani of Sri Sanatana Goswami, says the, 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 that the incident of Krishna's breaking the pot of yogurt and being bound by Mother Yasoda took place on uh, Deepavali Day. Um, so Diwali, uh, it, sh it is to be understood that among all the cows of Nanda Maharaj, several of Mother Yasoda's cows ate only grasses so flavorful that the grasses would automatically flavor the milk. Mother Yasoda wanted to collect the milk from these cows to, to make into yogurt and churn it into butter personally. One thing I found amazing is when we look to Diwali, which is uh, a very popular holiday, and we think uh, deeply about it in relationship to this Leela, this Leela happened on the same day as Diwali. And uh, what is the nature of that day? The nature is that everyone takes a lamp and illumines uh, their Istadeva. So similarly, this particular Leela illumines the whole Vraj Leela of Bhagavan Sri Krishna. Because as we've mentioned, this is the first Leela where the interpersonal relationships are truly um, and fully uh, presented to the reader by Sukadev Goswami. Vishwanath Chakravarti writes, one day, on the festival day of the lamps, Yasoda began churning yogurt, absorbed in thought. How? For among countless, from about, among countless cows, there were seven or eight rare as a horse with, a black, with one black ear, who were eating the most fragrant grass and gave the most tasty fragrant milk, which would be relished by her son. Driven by a stubbornness arising from Vatsalya Prem, she concluded that others could not do the job properly 
and resolved that from today she would prepare all of the boy's butter, milk, and other edibles. They would be so tasty that he would not go to others' houses to steal. More on this in a minute. So this is that's Vishwanath's beginning uh, commentary into the Leela. Jiva writes the following. Yasoda means she who gives fame. She gave fame to Krishna by showing how he is controlled by praying, by agreeing to be tied up. Vedic fire sacrifice for honoring and tasting the first grains of the new harvest. This is the time of year that's, that's happening. This is why also Mother Yasoda is in the kitchen, kitchen alone, all of her servants being out and preparing for this festival uh, in honor of the new harvest and in thanks to um, Indra, the demigod, uh, for providing rains, which uh, made the harvest bountiful. Sanatan writes in his commentary, beginning there, now the pastime of the Lord being bound up by rope. Since he was not fully satisfied with the bliss of being scolded in his rasa of being affectionate to his devotee, he desired the bliss of being controlled by his devotee. Yasoda was called most fortunate. She even more fortunate than Nanda. Her greater fortune is described now. Yasoda means she who gives for fame. She gave fame to Krishna as the person who is controlled by his devotee. So we know Krishna has already been scolded within the community because he's, he's made it a habit to go from one household to another and steal butter. So he's, he's getting a reputation as a thief. And he's pinching the babies. And he's, well, he's in his uh, terrible twos. Let's just put it that way. So everything that comes with that age, um, uh, all the inhabitants of, of Raj are, are being subjected to. He's venturing out from his house. He's gathering up his group of friends of his like age and he's entering the other homes, and he's creating havoc. And if he can't create enough havoc, well, he'll just leave a mess on the floor. Now, I'm also going to share with you some rasa tattva from Narayan Maharaj. And uh, I have not been able to trace out some of uh, the statements uh, that he gives in his commentary on the, uh, the Damodar Ostikam uh, in, but uh, just know that various devotees, they have various realizations. These may be coming down in tradition. These may be uh, heard uh, from different other acharyas. Just know that they are, they are insights into this Leela through the eyes of uh, the devotees who are, are truly knowledgeable. So Narayan Maharaj has written the following, and uh, a lot of what he writes here is, is very charming. Uh, so the other residents of the community are complaining. Your son steals from our houses and eats our butter. Oh, you soda. Worse than that, he throws milk, yogurt, and butter everywhere. If he actually ate it, it would be all right, but he doesn't. He smashes our pots of milk and yogurt and unties the calves. How can we tolerate this daily loss of milk and yogurt any longer? We have all decided to leave your settlement of Raj and live elsewhere. He also mentions in his uh, tikka, his rasa tikka, she personally milked Mangala, Ganga, and Prasangi, and other cows, and then boiled the milk until it started condensing. When it was the right warmth, she added yogurt culture to it. And then in the early morning, she personally set to churning the freshly cultured 
yogurt. The Supreme Lord of everything, who is independently blissful and self-satisfied, Atmarama and Aptakama, was hungry. He began to cry loudly for his mother's breast milk. He somehow made it to where his mother was churning, tottering like an intoxicated elephant along the way. He caught hold of the churning rod and stopped it from twirling. Just by seeing her dear Krishna, her limbs became decorated by all the asta sattvika bhavs, the eight types of bodily transformations arising from ecstatic love of God. Furthermore, the special emotion of motherly affection manifested, namely, milk began to flow from her breasts. All of these ingredients of love, namely Vibhava, Visaya Alambada, Ashraya Alambada, and Udipana, Anubhav, deep emotions that are realized through outward expressions on the body, and so forth, then combined with Madhya Yasoda's own Staibhav, namely Vatsalya Raiti, and began to make her relish Vatsalya Ras. Snigdhakanta's narrative continues. Sri Krishna, the best of the blessed, and the king of beauty, stopped the rod from churning. Sri Yasoda's motherly affection for Sri Krishna expanded within her heart, completely filling it with the desire to cradle him. As she, her motherly affection surged, she fed her young child the milk that spontaneously poured from her breasts in a stream. Mother Yasoda is gracious and splendorous like the rainy season. Her breasts began to shower streams of milk that resembled a continuous downpour, and she Krishna, like a Chitaka bird, fittingly and gleefully began to drink that downpour. With great eagerness, Sri Krishna drank the milk of that blessed breast. He had only half satisfied his hunger when Mother Yasoda noticed that the milk in the next room was boiling over. Although her child was eager for her breast milk, she immediately put him down. Srila Prabhupada writes in his commentary in this section of the Bhagavatam, either in parental affection or conjugal love, friendship or servitorship, in any way we must follow in the footsteps of the inhabitants of Vrindavan, not try to become like them. So even Prabhupada in his commentary is pointing out the necessity of, of having the correct uh, conceptual orientation regarding the practice of Raganuga Bhav in service to the Rigatmikas of the Lord's eternal associates. Uh, now we'll go and return to Narayan Maharaja's uh, Rasa Tattva in this regard. Very interesting. <clears throat> the milk started boiling over as if it were thinking, Mother Yasoda's breasts are the source of all the milk contained within all the universes. Her supply of breast milk is inexhaustible and the stomach of baby Kanhaya is not at all small. All the universes can fit inside it. She will never tire of breastfeeding him and he can drink forever. In that case, I will always remain bereft of the opportunity to serve Sri Krishna. Therefore, it is pointless to maintain my worthless life, a life devoid of service. Thinking like this, the milk began to sacrifice himself into the fire. Um, interesting perspective. He continues in his commentary with some other interesting perspectives. After taking Krishna, who was not yet satisfied, off of her lap, she went to save the milk. This caused him to experience much, much displeasure. As stated in Srimad Bhagavatam, his tiny red reddish lips began quivering from anger. Mother Yasoda's action greatly displeased Sri Krishna. 
But if we conclude that her endeavor does not come within the definition of bhakti, then the thought, fault of, of yapti, under extension of the definition, arises. We return back to the verse that we read earlier uh, of Srila Rupa Goswami from the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. The nature of exalted devotee, the commentary continues, Mahabhagavatas, is that they want to engage every soul in Krishna's service. When Mother Yasoda saw that the milk was sacrificing himself into the fire by boiling over because he was bereft of Krishna's service, she immediately removed her darling boy from her lap and tried to save it. With both of his hands, baby Krishna firmly caught hold of his mother's breast, and with his legs, he clung to her waist. He held on to his mother in this way with all his might. Putna, who had the strength of 10,000 elephants, could not free herself from his grip, but in the presence of Mother Yasoda's Vatsalya Prem, Sri Krishna, the possessor of all potency, could not stop her from putting him down. With one hand, Mother Yasoda easily pushed him from her breast. Then she removed him from her lap. He sat down nearby. She sat him down nearby and went to save the milk. Then the commentary goes on to say the following. The Siddhanta, perfect philosophical conclusion behind this incident is that Mother Yasoda's love for Sri Krishna is much greater than his love for her. Indeed, Sri Krishna comes under the control of her love. In the presence of his motherly love imbued with deep, Sorry, I uh, made a mistake in copying this. In the presence of this motherly love imbued with deep possessiveness, all of Bhagavan's unlimited majestic potencies are defeated. Here another point is to be considered. Although the superlative manifestation of Sri Krishna's unlimited opulence, Ashvarya, is found only in Vraj. It remains submerged in the fathomless ocean of sweetness contained within the Vraj pastimes. That is to say, even when Sri Krishna's infinite opulence is fully revealed, it easily fits within the all-accommodating embrace of Vraj's sweetness. Mother Yasoda splashed cold water into the pot of boiling milk as to pacify it. I am going to use you in Krishna's service right now, she said. Don't give up your life like this. Now, Snigdakanta continues, but he's interrupted by Madhukanta, who says, Snigdakanta, what are you saying, my brother? This is illogical. How could it be that Sri Yasoda left her starving baby, baby to go elsewhere? She is the faultless ideal among all loving mothers within this universe. Stignakanta replied, in the absence of Sri Krishna, residents of Raj see that their bodies, homes, and other possessions are more or less waning. From the day he was born, his parents, Sri Nanda and Sri Yasoda, considered that all those residents of Vraj, as well as all the items used to serve Sri Krishna, have abundant mamata for him. All the Vrajabhasis' rich milk and yogurt, as well as their bodies, homes, and other possessions, are exclusively meant for the service of Sri Krishna. Thus, while serving Sri Krishna, it is befitting to have more mamata or attachment for the objects used to serve Sri Krishna than for Sri Krishna himself. Some deep philosophical conclusion being given to us through the uh, words of Snigdakanta as written by Srila Jiva Goswami. So this mamata, uh, to understand it is, is quite amazing. 
commenting on this, the Acharyas have said the following. Vishwanath said, she had such concern for what Krishna would eat and drink that she could temporarily ignore Krishna. Only those in the sway of Prem can understand or talk about such remarkable actions in Prem. It is difficult to, for others to understand. Jiva comments as follows. Why did she not go while feeding him and holding him? She was going quickly. If she held him, she could not go quickly. The milk was boiling over. It should be understood that the kitchen was not far away, within sight. The milk, like the yogurt, was special. She left him for a moment only. So he gives some explanation as to a logical question. Why didn't she just pick him up? He's a little baby and carrying him off to the kitchen and, and take care of the boiling milk and continue with the service of feeding him. And he gives an explanation as to why not. He continues in his commentary, Bhagavatam commentary, the height of affection for a mother and father that a mother and father have for their son is difficult to find in other types of love. It does not exist elsewhere. She was thus intensely attached to the wealth of milk of the cowherds. The child does not know how to protect his wealth. Therefore, I must protect it now. Thinking thus, she put him down, but her going was for his sake also, filled with affection for him. Though one tolerates suffering to protect one's wealth, there must be strong affection to do so. Similarly, motivated by strong affection for Krishna, she tried to protect the milk. So we can see the acharyas in their commentaries are trying to give us some glimmer of this rather perplexing question as to mother's uh, mother Yasoda's abandonment of of Krishna uh, in the in the middle of his uh, morning meal. Stingdakanta continues. Thus, it was specifically understood that Mother Yasodas, and again, he's, he, he continues to answer uh, Madhu Kanta's inquiry. Thus, it is specifically understood that Mother Yasodas' intention in leaving Krishna to save the milk was most exalted. This has been sanctioned in the scriptures that advocate bhakti. The import is that it is appropriate for Mother Yasoda to have more attachment for the objects that are dear to Sri Krishna than for Sri Krishna himself. Indeed, this is the eternal nature of an affectionate mother. He continues, with the loving mood born of her permanent emotions, Stai Bob, that this is my son. She is always aware of Sri Krishna's needs more than her own bodily or household needs. She is also conscious of his complete dependence on her, and her perpetual attitude is, Sri Krishna's necessities are my necessities, and fulfilling them is my sole obligation. Only the residents of Raj know what is involved in expressing this type of affection. So it's we're being given some insight into the fact that we ourselves may be perplexed by this uh, action and this particular mamata. Uh, we could speculate as to uh, the nature of this love that's experienced between Mother Yasoda and Krishna and how she could actually put him down and show deference to those items that she uses to serve Krishna's other needs. So he had an immediate need, but Mother Yasoda saw the significance of the need of dealing with the milk, which would satisfy uh, another necessity that she felt was more significant. 
And she might have seen the, the situation in many ways. I have to keep my son at home. He's creating a disturbance in the society. The other, the other families want to leave Nanda Maharaja's uh, village here because Krishna is creating a disturbance with their livelihood. So in so many ways, she's looking out for the ultimate well-being of Krishna, even though it may appear to someone not fully immersed in the nature of her love, uh, that she's being uh, somewhat neglectful. But her idea is, I will be right back. And that comes out a little bit here. When Mother Yasoda went to take the milk off the stove for the pleasure of her son, her first, she first comforted him saying, my darling son, may all your problems and difficulties come to me. Watch this part of yogurt for just a minute while I check on the boiling milk. I will return quickly. Ah, uh, just as swiftly as she put her son aside and left that churning place, she returned. Even in that time, milk poured from her breasts out of deep motherly affection, wetting her blouse. It poured so much that it made the floor slippery. Still, Sri Krishna's wishes had been checked, and he was most perturbed. In anger, he bit his trembling reddish lips and burst into tears. Then, picking up a small grinding stone, which was lying nearby, he broke the pot of half-churned yogurt. However, he did not even get the slightest bit of butter from it. So, he's a butter thief. His mother's making butter. He's thinking, well, there's got to be butter in the pot. She's been churning it. Uh, so, let me look here. It's right here, right in front of my eyes. And he goes for it. He, he breaks the pot. And unfortunately, it's not churned enough to have any butter yet. So he, he's, he's further perturbed by that. Jiva Goswami writes in relationship to this uh, in the Bhagavad, his Bhagavat commentary. His display of anger describes the special sweetness of his infant pastimes filled with affection for his mother. His pastime was real since emotions arose within his mind and his actions were performed in private, not displayed for others to see. His tears were useless from a mature viewpoint, which were natural to his infancy. Sanatana Goswami writes in his commentary also, Sometimes Krishna fakes crying, but today the tears were real, Amrisha, because he was unsatisfied. So with that, uh, we will conclude this discussion today, and we will continue uh, next week uh, in the narrative from the Gopal Champu and the various commentaries to go through um, the Leela narrative of Krishna's being bound. And after completing the Leela narrative and taking nourishment from the commentaries of the various Acharyas, um, we will go into the Damodar Astika of Satyavati Muni uh, and do a, an overview uh, in the final uh, classes that we have time for uh, within this special month of uh, uh, Radha's benedicting us with uh, amazing insights into Raj Bhakti and amazing, amazing rewards for the, any little bhakti that we can perform uh, during her month. I uh, can take any questions if there are any.
And if not, I will thank you, as always, for your kind association and time. Shri Mandulal Chandra Prabhu ki jai. Krishna Kirtan Gana Natan Palau Premamritam Manibhi Veera Bheera Jana Priyau Priya Karau Nirmatsanam Pujitau